Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, we have a wonderful interview for you today. We are talking to our guy from the USTA Foundation, someone we've met um, over the last year and, and, and really are just interested in understanding a little bit more about what's going on with the USTA Foundation as well as their deliverables going forward. Bryce, I know we had a, a great time with Rob of, uh, uh, when we first met him. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and do the intro for, for the folks out there. Sure. Thanks, Isaac. Um, yes, people, we have Rob Howland with us today. Uh, he is a senior director, head of programs and of social impact for the USTA Foundation. Now, you may be thinking what I was thinking before, which was, well, what's the difference between the USTA and the USTA Foundation? Well, Rob is going to answer that question for us today, as well as give us some insight on some really neat things that they're doing, uh, not only in the Southern California area, but nationwide. So without further ado, we welcome to Brothers on Tennis, Rob Howland. Hey, Rob. Hey, guys. Thank you so much. I don't know that uh, I have a lot to live up to with that intro. Uh, (laughs) But it's nice to talk to you both. In this format. Absolutely. Well, hey, Rob, it's great to talk to you as well. Um, Like I said, we had the pleasure of meeting up with you and uh, really just interested in, you know, a little bit of what's going on across the USTA Foundation. So starting off with Bryce's question, what is the difference between the USTA and the USTA Foundation? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I like to start answering that by saying I think we're we're the best kept secret that everybody in tennis should know about. Nice. Um, if you think about it, right, the USTA, the United States Tennis Association, it's the governing body for the sport for the United States. It sets the rules. It uh, does a number of things. Uh, its mission is to promote and grow the sport. We are a separate legal entity, a charitable entity. So we are the philanthropic arm we're the national governing body of tennis, the USTA. We're a separate legal entity with its own separate mission. And that's one thing and one goal to bring tennis and education together to change lives. Awesome. Now, Rob, is this the same organization that holds that event uh, at the U.S. Open every year? Prior- you mean, do you mean... On that Monday night, like the fundraiser? Yes, yes. So fortunately, right, most nonprofit organizations like the foundation, you know, they have to raise money to deliver their mission. So we do the same thing. We have uh, the USTA graciously hosts us, allows us to use the president's suite. And we typically have um, and have for the past few years, the opening night gala at the US Open. So for those viewers out there, you know, you're used to seeing people like 
Hugh Jackman and Vera Wang and Anna Wintour and you know, last year our MC was Anthony Anderson, um, you know, folks like that. A lot of those people and our donors um, come to that opening night gala and then watch the matches the first night. That's that fantastic. Is awesome. Yes, yes. We we got a glance of that. And uh, those <laughs> stars that you mentioned coming in for 2022, that's for sure. Um, and, and, and Rob, we know that it's just a, a, a great event that, that you all host. Uh, at the U.S. Open as well. Let's talk a little bit just about your background, Rob. I mean, how did you get involved with the USTA Foundation? You know, tennis has always been part of my life. Um, my parents were, you know, I was from a middle-class family in New Jersey. My parents were league players. They put me in the sandbox next to the court. <laughs> and one day I was four or five. I picked up the racket and I was hitting against the wall there and I just had a talent for it and it it uh kind of carried me carried me forward i was actually a soccer player competitive soccer player on a travel team but then really kind of fell in love with with tennis in my teens and just decided to focus on that um so that's how i came into the game what kept me in the game is that you know i i had a hard time as most young people do just adjusting um and tennis kind of gave me that that discipline that focus i was good at it it built my confidence mm -hmm. and it just kept me engaged and um my first gig was teaching in a after school program in trenton new jersey in the njtl chapter njtl of trenton there so that's how I got kind of got into the game. That's how I stayed with the game and how I got into NJTL and the foundation was that was my first job. I was a broke college student. I wasn't making any money. <laughs> I didn't really know my right from my left. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was good at tennis. And, uh, you know, so I stepped foot on the court, was coaching kids in Trenton. I, I knew the power of the sport because of what it did for me. And immediately I could see, you know, what it was doing for for kids. And I ended up staying at that local organization for 18 years. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the foundation came knocking about six and a half years ago and asked me to, you know, basically pursue a position, you know, a, a director of programs position, uh, relocated to Orlando. And so for for about six and a half years, I've been with the USTA Foundation based in Orlando. And the last six months, uh, as of this past January, uh, I moved to Los Angeles. Ah, nice, nice. So you've come out to the West Coast. You've joined us. Yeah, welcome to Cali. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> the, Jer the Jersey guy is definitely on the West Coast now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? And, and to our listeners, this is where we met Rob last year. As you're well aware, we have a very close relationship with the Pete Brown tennis program uh, up in L.A. And there was an event there. And, Rob, we met you there and uh, formed a relationship with you uh, afterwards. But you talked about NJTL chapters and, you know, the Pete Brown tennis program is an NJTL 
uh, chapter as well. For our listeners who don't really know the background about NJTL, can, can you explain for a few minutes what they are and their significance? Yeah, I mean, I think this is an incredible, just, you know, it's part of the fabric of tennis culture in the United States that most people don't really know about and should know about. You know, Arthur Ashe felt after his win at the US Open in 1968, you know, that with the turmoil that was happening in the country with um, Dr. King's assassination and some of the other things that were happening, Arthur wanted to, you know, use his new voice uh, to and use the sport to really change lives and have the sport be a way to build champions and citizens on and off the court. And so this NJTL, National Junior Tennis League, was what it was originally called, was born out of Arthur's vision in 1968. And he and two other gentlemen, Sheridan Snyder and Charlie Passarell, started this movement. I call it a movement. Um, because it kind of sprung up all over the country. Chapters just started, you know, individuals with a passion for the sport and who wanted to kind of follow Arthur and, and support what he was trying to do. You know, they started organizations all over the United States. Um, and that was kind of how it started. And the way that it came to the USTA is in the mid 80s when Arthur was ill, fell ill, which um, most of the viewers know, um, you know, he, he approached the USTA and a gentleman at, at the time, his name was Don Conway. He was the CEO of the USTA and a friend of Arthur's um, agreed to take the NJTL over on Arthur's behalf. And so that's kind of the story from 1969 to the mid 80s, you know, Arthur had this vibrant um, network of organizations that he had corporate sponsors for and they had national championships and, you know, had a lot of talented young people. And the USTA took that over in, in the mid 80s and then it came over to the foundation in 2013. So it's been under the foundation's guidance auspices um, for about the last 10 years. That's fantastic. And, and, and Rob, talk to us just about once that transition happened to the USTA Foundation, what have been some of the things and or focus areas that you all have been uh, driving towards over this last you know 10 year stint? Now, I know that you said it's been about six and a half years that you were in Orlando. Now you're out here on the West Coast. But what are some of those things that you all have 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 driven? and are looking to deliver going forward. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that question. You know, I think impactful programs, right? The programs that are being delivered at these chapters um, are really, they're reliant or, you know, there's a couple of things that, there's a couple of things that really are key. You need to have good leadership and of those organizations. Right. So we've been investing in the leaders and those organizations for the better part of 10 years. Um, you know, leadership trainings, executive development, uh, HR related things, technical assistance, um, 
right? Because without good leadership of those orgs, it's really hard to kind of deliver and manifest good programs and outcomes. So one, right. investing in leadership. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, the second thing is you need to invest in the programs themselves, right? These are all independent charities. They're all their own independent 501c3 charities, and they're out there hustling and raising money. And so we've incredibly uh, increased the amount of program funding that we're giving to these organizations. And I'm proud to say that in 2023, in our latest funding round, we, we granted the most ever money. So wow. you know, over $4.1 million to 149 organizations uh, that are part of our network, you know, it's pretty big. That's incredible. And so I understand, Rob, why you were in Orlando, um, because USTA <laughs> uh, is, is there. Uh, so talk to us about what drove your transition from Orlando to Los Angeles. Well, I was planning, I was planning to come out here in 2020, but something happened in 2020 that kind of delayed my, <laughs> my, my relocation <laughs> out here. But I, I am, um, I'm thankful that that's over that, or, yes. you know, for the most part that that's over and um, we're kind of back to normal, so to speak. But um, we had a board member that was incredibly active with the foundation. Uh, her name was Carol Kimmelman. She was both a elementary school teacher, public school teacher in, in LA Unified. And she was also a walk-on to the USC tennis team in her college career and was an NCAA champion. Oh, wow. And she was incredibly passionate about tennis and education, which is why she was such a great board member, right? Which is those two things central to our mission. Carol had a long bout with ovarian cancer. And upon her passing, um, her husband and four children wanted to honor her memory and her legacy of both education and tennis. And so they made the decision to um, embark you know, on a plan to build an athletic and academic campus for under-resourced kids. And so part of the reason why I moved out here was to work on that project. And the other part is, you know, we're a national foundation and we, to, until this day and age, this time period, we've really only had a footprint on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was twofold. It was, how do we support seeing this project you know, to fruition? And then how do we expand kind of the foundation's footprint so that we're, you know, on both sides of the United States on both coasts? Right, right. And and Rob, what can you, because of course, Bryce and I, we dabble a bit in the project management space. So what are those major milestones that you have as it relates to this particular project that you're building out here? Yeah, I mean, so the first, the first thing was identifying a site, and we've we've kind of been through a couple iterations of that. We started in Carson, but we we do have a final site. It's adjacent to LAX. Okay. Um, so site is is locked down. You know, lease is signed. 
uh, right? So having property in LA is a challenge. So we, ha we have that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and to right to get 55 acres practically yes. do donated is kind of like incredible. Wow. Um, yeah. So I think it speaks to the power of the project. So, so that was the first milestone. Um, you know, we have an architect, we have a project manager, we're in planning, we have renderings, we have, you know, 100% design development and all these terms that I don't really know about. <laughs> um, but it's been really fun to kind of see this, this come along. Um, right. We will have a, a shovel in the ground. I would anticipate in late Q4 or early Q1. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Great. So we're right around the corner. Um, and we expect a two-year build to okay. finish. Gotcha. So this particular facility, can you talk about what it'll be composed of? Yeah, no, it's uh it's really, really incredible, guys. I mean, this is gonna be such a community asset, like no like nothing else. Um, it will feature a, a learning center um, that will be approximately 25,000 square feet, which will and will be operated by the Tiger Woods Foundation and the Windward Academy. Um, okay. So two really marquee academic partners. It will feature uh, a welcome center that will have, you know, USTA Foundation offices, the team that will run the campus. Um, and player development is also anticipated to uh, have a performance area there. Um, nice. You know, the campus is built built for kids, but as you know, it's important that it's sustainable. Mm -hmm. We do anticipate that there would, you know, potentially be some fee-for-service activities or events held on the weekend to just make the place more sustainable. Mm -hmm. But when you think about having, you know, grassroots entry level uh be beginners all the way the entire pathway all the way up to player development where all those west coast pros right that are currently in carson um at pd's office there would now be on this site right to have that full spectrum it's it's really aspirational for kids right absolutely i'm a kid i'm coming from la i Go to the campus i see a pro i I'm, I'm playing there and i see taylor fritz or i see whoever you know the other pros are i mean that's just an incredible incredible opportunity um the other thing for all the cali folks you know we do have cedar sinai as a partner mm, um, nice yeah so they'll be on the campus to do athletic training uh for the kids that are using the facility um Public schools in Cali, I didn't know this actually, uh, do not require athletic trainers. So Cedar sinai provides athletic trainers through a program called Team Heal at many public schools throughout Los Angeles. And one of those Team Heal sites will be located on the campus. So we're really proud of that. Nice. Very, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So wow. it's, it'll be multi-sport, soccer fields. We have baseball, not a uh, baseball field, volleyball, basketball, in addition to 24 tennis courts. Wow. And, and Rob, tell me this. Now, understanding that I believe it's 2028 where we'll be hosting the Olympics, do you find, do you, do you think that this new development will somehow or another have any part in that particular initiative as far as uh, the Olympics go? 
You know, I think the 2028 folks are far along with identifying their facility needs, but I do think, you know, uh, we will play a role in some way. I'm just not mm -hmm. sure what that role will be. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that's well, outstanding. Yeah. Well, let's talk about something we know that you and the foundation are, are playing a, a current role with, and that's our good friends at the uh, out there at Harvard Park at the Pete Brown Junior Tennis Program. Uh, we know you have done some good things with them recently. Uh, would, would you like to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's really important for all the listeners to know that we have such a wonderful group of NJTL chapters in all of Southern California. I mean, when you, when you think of kind of the territory, um, you know, you have uh, – Youth Tennis San Diego, stretching all the way down in San Diego. You have uh, 40 Love Foundation in Inglewood. You have Pasadena uh -huh. Tennis, right? There's so many wonderful NJTL chapters. And we have an incredible partnership with USTA Southern California to really help service all of them. Um, but of course, our friends at Pete Brown Junior Tennis Program are doing really good work. Um, there at Harvard Park. And so, uh, you know, we're talking today and I don't know when this will air, but uh, <laughs> on Thursday, July 20th, we will, uh, you know, dedicate a newly refurbished eight tennis courts at Harvard Park. Um, it, is, nice. it is a community asset, you know, it's for use by Rexham Parks, Pete Brown, mm -hmm. and the entire community. So we're really proud about that. And we have a, a special guest that's scheduled to appear. We have Big Foe. <laughs> yes. An appearance for us. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so really excited to have Francis join in uh, in, in the, the dedication and, um, you know, be on court with the kids. But it's really, it's, it's a much bigger initiative uh, for all the listeners, right? When you think about it, it's it's hard to deliver quality programs without quality facilities. Right. And tennis courts are not uh, cheap to maintain. And right. so th this dedication will will launch a national initiative uh, that the foundation is funding over three million dollars over the next three years. You know, seeking to renovate over 250 courts in similar communities, just like South L.A. Um, so that the NJTLs, you know, that are delivering programs that their kids can have quality courts to play on. That is such an outstanding initiative, Rob. I mean, again, we all know how difficult it is, uh, you know, getting uh, court time, getting young people into the sport of tennis, especially those of color, um, the availability of courts. I just feel like this is something that really, really will be beneficial across the board. Uh, moving forward. So this, what an, an incredible initiative. Yeah, my hope is we can get more stakeholders involved and and put put even more money and resources into renovating even more courts. And you know what, to our listeners, uh, we will be at the Harvard Park, de Park dedication ceremony. So we'll be providing you some footage from that event. And also, hopefully, we'll get a, a chance to chat with Big Folk for, yes. for a minute. So we will definitely bring you that great content. So, Rob, 
this move for you to California and working on these events, is the move to California going to be like a permanent location for you? Or then will you move to another part of the country and, and kick off another set of projects? The plan for now is to be permanently located on the West Coast. Uh, proud to say we just hired a new full-time team of five out here. Nice. Nice. So we have an office and a WeWork space very close to uh, Westchester where the where the facility will be built. So we've made we've made a, a short term and long term investment. Um, I don't you know, the Powerball is kind of large. So if I win the Powerball, this <laughs> about where I'll be. But my plan, my plan for now is to take advantage of the Cali life and and really I'm you know, excited to bring our sport to more kids across greater Los Angeles through our chapters and through the, you know, initiatives of, of Lulu's place, which is what the campus will be called, which was Carol's nickname. Ah, gotcha. Ah. Okay. Now it makes sense. Okay. Gotcha. Lulu's place. Love that. Love that. Awesome. Well, Rob, anything additional that you want to share? I know that again, just talking about this program, uh, a lot of you don't know, and Bryce and I, we actually just recorded our w w Wimbledon wrap up and the girls uh, singles champion, uh, Claire V. Inganau, um, actually was a part of this NJTL pro program, correct, Rob? Yeah, uh, Claire V. trained out of one of our chapters in D.C., um, Metropolitan Tennis and Education Group, and she's also been a longtime uh, recipient of uh usca foundation provides individual player grants and so we've been funding claire v along with many other stakeholders um so we've been supportive of her um and really just proud to see her 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 success absolutely yes <laughs> and rob for our listeners that want to either stay up to speed on, on the progress of your projects or other things that the usta foundation you know, or doing, where can they go? Where, where should they go for updates and more information? Yeah, so for LA specific, uh, we have a page, uscafoundation.com slash LA that lists all of our active NJTLs. Um, you know, you can also visit our regular website, but I would say the best source is probably our Instagram. Um, and then for those LinkedIn folks, we have a LinkedIn page, so you can look us up <laughs> there, follow us there. Um, but I'd say, you know, there's a lot of NJTL alumni out there that might be listening. And if you aren't kind of reconnected with the foundation and what we're doing, we would love to get you involved and engaged in the mission as it is today. Um, so definitely, you know, hit us up on Instagram and, uh, you know, stay connected to what we're doing. And and there's always there's always a need for volunteers right there's 270 chapters all over the country that reach over 133,000 kids and this work is not easy um and so anybody that's interested in volunteering i would i would encourage you to you know reach out to your local njtl chapter um if you're not sure uh you can always email us at njtl at usta.com and we can make that connection for you that is fantastic. Good stuff, Rob. Rob, anything else that you would like to share to the listening audience? 
I just really appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you guys. And I, I hope this is one of many more conversations that, you know, we can continue to have and spread the good word of what this sport can do for so many people. Um, and, and bring it to more people. Well, Rob, we appreciate you and what you and the, the foundation, what you guys are doing for tennis and the youth and the community. And, you know, sometimes I think people get just very caught up in, in the big names at the biggest tournaments. And tennis is so much larger than that. And there's we're going to have an episode at some point where we even talk about, you know, there are careers in tennis beyond you know trying to be the number one player in the world right and they and they serve a great great purpose and so uh we appreciate the work that you're doing and and on behalf of all the people that benefit from it absolutely and and listen this doesn't happen just with rob Hallen. we have an entire team that you know does all this this work we have a board a very dedicated board of directors we have a dedicated usta usta national board right we have a usta national staff that is supportive of us so it's really it's one big family um that's trying to move the needle and make a difference so just want to reiterate that point and i hope everyone that's listening can be a part of that and arthur's movement great so listeners keep your eyes out for our updates from the harvard park dedication ceremony later this week uh and like i said hopefully we'll get an opportunity to chat for a moment with big foe but as rob uh stated not too long ago reach out and get involved uh if you can it's hard work but it is absolutely work that is needed and appreciated by the community so once again, Rob, thank you so much for coming on to Brothers on Tennis. We look forward to the next time uh, that you're on. And on behalf of the podcast, this has been your boy, Bryce. And this is your boy, Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Everyone, take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.